0: Good morning. It is so good to be seen by you. I mean, to see you. (laughs) Wow. Well, Christina and I have just gotten back from, as she had mentioned, a conference uh, all the way on the other side of Canada. It was in BC, uh, just north of Vancouver, one of our MFI churches, Ministers Fellowship International Canada. Uh, It's a network that Christine and I have belonged to for over 30 years, or just coming up, I guess, on 30 years. Uh, They're our family, and they're your family indirectly as we relate to leaders. Uh, We have pastors. We have people that walk with us, and, uh, and so we don't walk alone here at Harvest. And it was just so good to be a part of the great family of Ministers' Fellowship International Canada. Christina did a session uh, called "Partnering with Your Community." She told the story of Heart of the Family um, and just how God has developed that in uh, our community here in Cornwall. And we, um, I, I got to sit in on her session, and as she emphasized how we began, and some of you may not know, how, you know, why does the church have uh, a daycare? It's not a church daycare, uh, it's, it's a provincially licensed daycare that um, Christina, as part of the vision of this house, as we set out just about 20 years ago, um, we had a prophetic word that we were to bind mercy and truth together, a word from Proverbs chapter 3, and if you would take the idea of mercy and of truth and put them together, um, you would find favor with God and with men. And So we clung onto that word and said we need a mercy dispenser here in the city to meet a need. And so we went to the city of Cornwall and asked, uh, "What do you need?" Well, one, they were very surprised because typically churches will tell a city what they think they need, and then try to provide, you know, try to meet that need, um, which often creates all kinds of issues in the not-for-profit world because there's a lot of competition for funding. And so churches actually, when they do that, become adversarial to the rest of their community, very, very separatist and island unto themselves. And we felt not to do that and began the journey of Heart of the Family uh, because the city of Cornwall told us one of the greatest needs is child care. Um, and, uh, and then the 24-hour component because they foresaw the city moving into the logistics, away from the industrial and into logistics and that's the case today. And so she was able to share how God has used um, Heart of the Family to touch people and give them pride of work and uh, to really meet a need and then have the favor uh, both of people and of government officials uh, that often invite us into places that we otherwise wouldn't have been invited. And so in that, in that seminar, in that breakout, she got to share that. Other churches uh, were there that um, attended that seminar that are already kind of down that same road with other social initiatives. And uh, some it was a brand new idea. We could see the gears turning and they were heading home to ask uh, their city, what are the needs and what can we do? So Christina, uh, just a shout out to her. She did an amazing job. I had an opportunity to do some prophetic ministry uh, while we were there, minister over some of our great leaders, and uh, that's always, always fun when I get to do that and have the privilege to do that. You just saw um, Eric and Edelith Jekowitz, um some of my favorite people on planet Earth. Uh, they are in Pueblo, Mexico, and uh, we support them. Your mission's dollars go monthly to help support them. They would not be able to have a proper salary uh, in Mexico, um, and yet They're uh, involved with a church of well over 1,000 people on multiple campuses, but just because of the economy of uh, the Mexican people at this time, uh, they're just not, they wouldn't be able to do all that they do and receive uh, proper support. So we support them, uh, you support them, we support them each and every month, and I wanted you to see them. Uh, Some have asked about how things are going in Cuba. Emilio, uh, the apostolic leader that we support there, is actually in Miami right now. Uh, uh, Cuba's in a mess, and um, I've personally not been able to go for a vacation there. Um, I just can't, I can't get my head around uh, that the island is in the, the most unrest it's been in, probably in history people are starving because the supply line is not getting food uh, to um, the average homes and um, though the the tourism industry is working it's working to create dollars back into the island uh, but the people the people are in pain they are hurting and it's in great unrest. Um, then a hurricane again this week, and and so um, Pastor Emilio is actually in Miami, uh, gathering people are fleeing Cuba and and um, taking refugee status in Miami, and so he's been gathering refugee people and starting churches with them in Miami, <laughs> the way only Emilio Pastor Emilio can, <laughs> and uh, and so just give you a quick report. Let's be in prayer for the island of Cuba, that God's presence will touch them. Well, thanks for praying for us while we were away at our conference. We asked you to pray. We felt it would be a significant time, Um, and it was not only for our network of uh, churches, but for Christine and I personally as we felt some clarity and some direction from the Lord and some great, great refreshing. Exodus chapter 15, you bring them in and you plant them. You plant them. I'm starting a series this morning called Planted in the House. I'm excited about this. I'm going to just lay the foundation for it this morning. We'll be talking about it for at least uh, three, four, maybe five weeks uh, as we talk about and consider this idea, scriptural idea of being planted in the house of God. You bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, reserved for your own dwelling, the sanctuary. O Lord, that your hands have established. Father, I just ask this morning you would continue to speak to hearts and minds. Lord, you have a direction for harvest in this season. Lord, you're continuing to adjust our trajectory, and Lord, to lead us into green pastures. Lord, as a church and as individuals, Father, I pray today that you would just speak to each and every one by the power of your Holy Spirit through your precious word now. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. This particular verse is part of the song of Moses. Just to give you some context, uh, Moses was leading his, uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they were under underslaved under the tyranny, a taskmaster of Pharaoh. And it's a picture of our being under the tyranny uh, and the sl- slavery of sin, separated from God. We needed a savior. Israel needed a savior, and God chose Moses, God chose Jesus uh, in the New Testament, But the picture of Moses leading the people and there was no way of escape. In the same way, there was no way of escape out of our sin, none whatsoever. People can look their whole life to try to fill the hole that sin has created, our separation from God. And as uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, that only God can fill the God-shaped void in the human heart. And so Moses leads them out uh, as God opens the Red Sea, does a miracle, and they cross on dry land away to salvation where there was no way. And when they get to the other side of the Red Sea, and they're celebrating, they're having they're having a time. They're having a worship service. Uh, next week is Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk to you about being planted in His presence. And uh, they were they were just just going for it, as Aaron says. When when. Uh, when I'm dancing in worship, Aaron will go, Dad, you were going for it. I'll go, yes, son, I was going for it. And and they were going for it as Moses and Miriam were singing. And they were singing a song just spontaneously that the Lord was giving. And it was uh, a revelation of the goodness of God. and, And it was recorded for us in scripture. And we read it. And I'll read it again as we look at it. You bring them in and you plant them. You plant them. The Holy Spirit brought the people of God to a place and was planting them. Say plant them. God brought you and he planted you. He planted you. He has an intention for your life. He has a, an intention for the planting. And as we read this, it says that they were planted in God's own mountain, which is kind of strange language. And I want to take a moment or two as I'm setting up this idea of being planted in the house, because this is really important as we well, I will emphasize in these weeks the importance of being a part of a local church. And God has brought you and planted you here at Harvest. We believe that. I believe, Christina and I believed that 20 years ago as we founded with a group of people this church that's just grown to be something we're so proud of and that God is just doing some beautiful and wonderful things in. But there was a planting, a planting. God planted, it says, on his own mountain. So what is the mountain of the Lord? What is the scriptures talking about? Moses is prophetically looking down the corridors of time. And like Isaiah, uh, it's this, in the last days, people ask me sometimes, are we at the end of the age? And I always answer this way, well, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And I'm not sure when the end is coming, but I know we're closer today than we were yesterday. The New Testament teaches us to live in anticipation of the Lord's return, whenever that might be. But it it certainly looks as if uh, that we are in the days that the scriptures describe as being at the end or approaching the end of the age. They began when Jesus rose from the grave. We call it Easter. That first Easter is when the last days in the calendar of the Bible began. In the last days, the mountain, say mountain. Mountains speak of influence. They're high places. They're rugged. We just got to see the Rockies, and I don't get to see them very often. It's just like your jaw drops open. You're like, ah. People could tell we're from out of town because we're just staring all the time at the mountains. Um, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house. And so the local church, God's house, would be the highest of all. God's intention is to raise the influence of local churches all over the world to be the most important place in communities. The most important place, say important place. I understand that's not the case here in North America. It's certainly the case in other places of the world, but in North America, and at least in Cornwall, I don't think people would say the most important place in Cornwall is, is, is churches. And yet God's intention would be that there would be a distribution of God's mercy and grace and love of miracles in the life of God would be distributed out of the house of God, both in the times we're together corporately and as we are distributed throughout the week uh, um, in our neighborhoods and in our job places, that there would be influence. The kingdom of God would be influencing the earth, the most important place on earth. It'll be raised above the other hills, the other places of influence, and people from all over the world, even Mexico, the Latinos are taking over, by the way, all over the world will stream there to worship. Where? The house of God. And so you'll be planted right away. That, 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 we see right in the picture of Moses leading out, and he begins to celebrate and say, you brought them and you planted them. Say planted. We're talking about planted in the house. Exodus fifteen seventeen as we read, you will bring them, you will plant them, where? In the house of God. And that's that place, the house of God, is reserved as God's dwelling. It's where his presence is. We'll look and see next week. The sanctuary or the meeting place of God and his people. And that's where God's hands, God's hands have established. Jesus said, I will build my, okay, so we're gonna try that again. I know I've been away for a couple of weeks. You're not used used to how I preach. I know Pastor James Tripp is awesome and his Pentecostal flavor. Come on, church, come on. (laughs) And I love him. (laughs) And you guys get riled up and it's awesome. I'm teaching this morning. I need you to help me a little bit. Jesus said, I will build my... Yeah, and the gates of hell will not prevail. God has a building program that's going on right now. God's hands are building one thing and one thing only right now. A lot of people will suggest, well, you need to look over in the east and see what God's building there and see what. No, the Bible's super clear. God's building one thing. The blueprint of the end of the age is one thing and one thing only. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, planted in the house. The local church is the place of planting that Moses is singing about. And if you're wondering, and people, as I said, people are wondering, what's going on in these last days? You just need to look at what God's building. And even as we've come out of these uh, two months of chaos, excuse me, two years of chaos, wish it was only two months, these two years of chaos, one of the things that um, is is prevalent in the theme of our conference, resilience. that uh, his church is resilient. It will come back into the shape and come back to where it needs to be. But God... Has demonstrated and shown us, you know, where we need as, as lead, Christian leaders and pastors to strengthen his house. Because I don't know that it's going to get any better in the world. Jesus never promised it would get better and better in the world. In fact, he said it would get darker and darker. But he did say that his church would become more and more glorious, more and more powerful, more and more the place where we would understand that everything that we have need of is in him. Somebody say. And so when the world is looking for something, we, we better be in the position of knowing what it is they're looking for, uh, his provision, his love, his salvation. So throughout the years, I've met people that I've had an opportunity uh, to kind of engage conversation with. You know, you're just having small talk in different settings. I mean, um, I'm, I just turned 59 in August, and so just over all these years, yeah, fifty-nine is cool, but Chris is 60, and that's cooler. And... Uh, I took her to Quebec City. We had a, we had the most amazing uh, weekend together, alone, uh, just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us, you and I. She said, "Go back to preaching." Um, and uh, what was I talking about? Quebec City. Oh yeah, engaging people and uh, and talking and. Uh, Sometimes in that conversation, people will identify, especially if I've identified or they've asked if I, you know what I do, I'm a pastor, and, uh, they, and they'll they begin to talk uh, about, oh, you know, identify that they love Jesus and they're a Christ follower. And so I always ask the same question, always. What church do you attend? I want to know about your church. And that's a fun conversation. Sometimes they answer really apologetically, like, oh, I go to such and such a Church, uh, and they, and it's like they just describe it like, gets so lame, and I'm like, I want to say something, and I like, it's like, dude, I go to Harvest, and it's awesome. It's the greatest church ever. I love my church, you know, and uh, I hope you can say that. I hope you do say that, um, and uh, and so and sometimes this is the answer too often that I've heard. Well, I don't really go to just one church. I go to lots of churches, and I go there as the Holy Spirit leads me, and I go and I just kind of sit in the service listening, because all the churches is the church, it's God's people, and and I'm listening to what God might be saying to me in that service, so I don't go to just one church, and uh, when I hear that, I bite my tongue and nod and smile. If you're wondering what that looks like, it looks kind of like this looks painful, and I try not to say anything, but sometimes I do, and I say, oh, you're a spiritual tumbleweed, and they look at me, what? Oh, yeah, for sure, just getting blown all over the place and thinking it's the wind of the Holy Spirit, except it's not, and uh, tumbleweed. And they go, well, uh, t- t- tumbleweed? Yeah, you know, not just in the Wild West movies. The tumbleweed, Just a, I have a biology background in ecology. The tumbleweed is, in effect, the entire plant apart from the root system. Let that sink in for a second. The tumbleweed is, in effect, the entire plant with no roots. And it rolls around because of the force of the wind. Except it's not Holy Spirit wind. It's the prevailing winds of this world and this age, and you can get blown around. In fact, the Bible talks about winds of doctrine—just stuff that's blowing all over the body of Christ. And these tumbleweed people, just blowing oil. Glory to God! We're gonna try some of this over here. Glory to God! I'll blow over here and try some of this, and they have no roots. Say roots. Oh, so much more I could say, but I'm just not going to do it. By the way, tumbleweeds are dead. Just saying. Okay. But Jeremiah said, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Blessed. Say blessed. There's a blessing. There's a life for those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. In other words, they've made the decision to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You made that decision to invite Jesus into your life to have him be your confidence and hope. And believers are like trees planted, say planted, along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water, the water of his presence. We'll talk about that next week. Such trees are not bothered, look now, by heat, by the heat of the day, by the heat of what's happening, not bothered by that or worried or overwhelmed with anxiety by the long months of seemingly nothing happening, drought. Their leaves stay green. They never stop producing fruit. What a great promise when you're planted in the house, planted with roots that reach deep. And I talk to you about getting your roots to start reaching. Some of us, myself included, I'm being challenged by the Holy Spirit. Our roots should be ever-growing and reaching. Say reaching. Reaching, come on. Planted in the house. What does it say? If you are planted in the house of God, you will grow. It's that simple. And if you're not planted in the house of God, the, con- the, the opposite is true as well. And you might want to argue with me about that or take exception with me about that. And maybe you've had a bad experience in a local church, and for that I am truly sorry. And I have, I have made lots of mistakes over the years as a pastor. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, I have Adam in my lineage as well as Jesus in my lineage. And so I am human, and, I, and the frailty of my humanness comes through. And so I'm super sorry if that's been the case for you. But these, this is a season I believe that God wants to do some healing in hearts and cause roots to go deep so we can be planted in the house of God. Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or uh, stand in the way that sinners sit or sit in the company of mockers. In other words, you're not walking in the journey separated from God, but you've made the decision to follow Jesus, and so you're on a new journey now. You're not listening to the voices of the world. You're not listening to the philosophies of humanism. You're not being persuaded by the things that the world says, oh, you know, that's that stuff that they teach you in the Bible. You can kind of take what you want and some of it applies, maybe some of it doesn't. But that that was maybe for Victor, the Victorian age. That was for another day. But today, come on, you, really? Yeah, really, because we're not walking according to that. We're walking according, what does it say, to the law, we delight in the law of God. We meditate on it day and night. It becomes our compass. I'm gonna talk to you in a couple of weeks about being rooted, planted in God's word. That person is like a tree planted, planted, say planted, by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. When you're planted in the house, prosperity will be in your life. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. The righteous, well, who's righteous? Anyone who's received the righteousness of Jesus. I have no righteousness of my own, but I'm made righteous. By His righteousness, you're not going to get more righteous tomorrow. If if you had a if 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 yesterday you had a, a five sin day and uh, and today you have a two sin day, you're not more righteous. We're definitely being transformed. So we're talking about we're growing, but that doesn't make you righteous. You were made righteous by Jesus. Period. Full stop. And then we begin to live in His righteousness. The righteous when you live in His righteousness, you flourish. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Cedars of Lebanon were used to build the house of God. Planted in the house of the Lord. Where are you planted? Where are you planted? They will flourish in the courts of God. We're planted in the house. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. I love that we have a multi-generational church. I was... um, During my ministry time in the prophetic, uh, while we were uh, in BC, I had the privilege of laying hands on a lady that I guessed in her 70s. I found out she was 84, Uh, as she told me after the prophetic time. She looked at me and said, I'm 84, and uh, just so full of life. And someone said, why does an 84-year-old need a prophetic word? And I thought that's like saying sick him to a dog, you know. I, I you know, I, I just, I said, what? Well, why does an 84-year-old need a prophetic word? I because she ain't dead. She's just old, but she's not dead, and she's green, and she's full of life, and she's prospering and thriving, and she's in the house of God. She was looking to God for the next chapter, just a confirmation of the next chapter of her life. Her husband passed away seven years ago, and she's living in a senior's retirement home, feeling like she's uh, just not, she just feels like, I I, I just, there's more to do. I found out that Miriam Peterson and her husband uh, had planted churches in Uganda, all over the world. They were so involved in the kingdom of God, and I had the awesome privilege of laying hands and prophesying over this beautiful woman who's still green. And full of life at 84. Why? Because she's planted in the house of God. She's planted in the house of God. In this series, I want to show you practically how to get planted at harvest so you can grow. Yes, at harvest, (laughs) where you're planted. The house of God. A specific local church where God plants us. And we make the decision to allow our roots to reach. Oh yeah, you can decide how far your roots go or whether or not you have roots at all. And I believe that God is speaking to us uh, about some things that he wants to do. A number of years ago, we made some, I would say, dramatic changes here at Harvest. Uh, Some of it was reflected in the theater style of uh, what we called the sanctuary for years. And if you've been to church, um, we're we're going into the sanctuary. Does your church allow you to drink coffee in the sanctuary? And there was just an idea of, like, the room, because over the years in church, you know, has called that. This is where we meet with God. But there was some, uh, in some churches, just, just some weird ideas about what goes on in this room. And that freaks out people who are unchurched because when they come in, you're in the sanctuary. How do I act in the sanctuary? I don't know, but just act appropriately. And we decided... We decided that we'd make some dramatic changes because when we really looked hard at the work that we'd done over the years, not very many people had come to know Jesus through salvation. A lot of people said that they felt like they were a part of a great church and this is a great place to raise your family and, you know, we like the word of, you know, the preaching and you're welcome and, um, and all of those things, but, but we didn't see people getting saved, which is the whole essence of what the Great Commission was about. And so we began to pray and look, and we realized that, um, that in, in, in we, we were structured this way. Two words, believe and belong. Believe and belong. And that the order of those words is super important. And so I had been taught my whole life that you can't, you know, the house of God is a place, the family of God and the house of God, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are saved, and you become the children of God. We're going to look at that scripture in a moment. And that is true. That is true, but we were expecting unchurched people to believe before they stepped through the doors, and statistically, people the the, the highest percentage of people have received Jesus throughout the years. This is just an evangelical statistic because they were brought by a friend or a relative to, to a church service, heard about Jesus, and got saved. There's a fewer, and I'm not discounting it, and we'll talk about you need to be sharing your faith with your friends and your coworkers. Um, But there's a fewer percentage of people who would get saved, start to learn about Jesus, and then come through the door. But we were expecting them to act appropriately and be appropriate Christians before they step through the door. And so we said, you have to believe before you can belong to harvest. And the order of those words is a philosophical, cultural thing. It's not just words. And so we begin to look at that and go, no, no, we gotta switch, just hit the next slide. We gotta switch the order of that because people can belong to a loving community before they belong to Jesus, before they make that decision that I want, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we realized that in the context of the presence of God, in the context of somebody feeling like they're loved unconditionally, we made decisions to have a shame off environment. We made decisions to have a judgment free zone because there are people that are looking for Jesus because Jesus was looking for them, and when they were brought to the house of the Lord. And, and and I need to tell you that we did make that change, and I am so proud of this church. Like I, it's. I get emotional about this. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of us because so many churches won't make the changes necessary because they want to be in the sanctuary. <laughs> and it messes, it messes with their head. It messes with their traditions. It messes with them, and they don't want to let go and go, is, is God showing us a better way? Without cha- we're not changing Orthodox Christianity. We believe everything we believe about what the Bible teaches, but we needed to switch the order so somebody could come and belong and then feel like not only, because the Bible says, how can you love your brother who you do see and say you love God? And, and, and that scripture is talking about they will see God in us before they see God somewhere else. Maybe you're here as a first-timer, or you're new to Harvest, and as you come in, we purposely have structured this time so that you could feel at home, and we explain things, and we try not to take anything for granted or use Christianese language that maybe you don't understand. Someone asked me just recently, why why at Harvest, you know, like, when are we going to get really into the deep things of God? And I said, mm, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, like, so that all of the Christians can really get fed. And I say, how old are you in Jesus? Oh, I've been serving God this many years. And I go, you should be feeding yourself by now. And what we do on Sundays is we're all being fed corporately, and also there's a capacity of someone who doesn't know Jesus to receive the word in a way that they could get saved. So... Maybe they, how long does that take? Well, for some, it takes one service. For some of you, it took six months. For others of you, it took a year. And some of you haven't made a decision yet. But you have to understand, that's our goal. That's our goal. And so I brag about us everywhere we go. And I think we've done really well. And we emphasize this order for a number of years now. And you have to do that when you shift culture. And I think it's our culture, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm really happy about where we're at as a church and what we're doing. And we went from hardly seeing anybody ever get saved to it's a weekly occurrence. It's a weekly occurrence. People are getting water baptized and finding Jesus, and I think we're on, we're on task. We're where we need to be. But there's another B that we need to now emphasize, and it hasn't been missing. It hasn't been missing. It just hasn't been emphasized. And as we head into 2023, this is where we're at. This is where we're going. And we're not changing belong, believe. We're not changing that. But we need to just kind of flesh out who we are as a church. And so already some of these changes are being being made. Um, and, you know, unapologetically, we're, we're staying on mission of we want you to belong here so that you can believe. That's the goal. So you can believe. Why do I want you to believe in God and believe in Jesus and His plan of salvation for your life? Because we want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference with your life. And that's not changing. People ask, "What's the vision of the house, Pastor?" Um, it is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Now that may manifest. That may manifest in different ways like reaching into other communities and and planting satellite churches and campuses and, and we do mission work and it may manifest in different ways but the framework of everything we do is I want you to know God and know him better every day of your life. I want you to find freedom from yesterday and begin shedding those things of what sin imprinted you with so that you can begin discovering that God has made you with a purpose and that you can make a difference with your life. But that starts with believing so you can, we can stay and belong and, and be kumbaya and have a lot of fun, have great small groups. But if you're not believing, I'm, I'm just saying, we've never hidden that. <laughs> and we'll never hide that. You're, the goal is, I'm so glad you feel at home at Harvest. We love you unconditionally. But we want you to believe in God. Because none of this other stuff makes sense if you haven't invited Jesus into your life and begun your eternal life journey today. None of it. None of it will make sense. And we're not bending any of that so that somebody who says, I just want to belong, but I don't want to change. I don't want Jesus. I just I love this community. I just want to belong. We're not changing anything for that. Like, we're not going to change. So at some point, they're just going to get uncomfortable and either choose, yeah, I'm in or no, I'm out. And we would hope nobody would say I'm out, but we're not bending anything for the gospel, right? You understand where I'm going this morning? All right. So you can belong, and believe. But then what? You got to become. All of us, we have to become. In the process of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference, you are becoming. Well, what, what am I becoming? But as many as received him. How many this morning you could say just confidently, I've received Jesus. He's living in my heart today. I just you see your hand and wave it at me? wave it at me. If your hand's not up, I'm going to give you a chance to put it up in a second to make the decision to receive Jesus, just in a minute or two. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What's it talking about? It's talking about there's two births. There's one birth that your parents decided. Or some people say, oops. Well, however, however, that decision, because it is a decision, <laughs> there, was, there was a decision for a bi- biological act that allowed for the, the meeting of, of, of sperm and egg. And there was a human birth of flesh and blood. And the Bible is saying there's two births. There's a, there's a spiritual birth and a natural birth. First Peter says, having been born again, we put our hands up and we say, well, we've decided, we've been born again, not of corruptible seed. Not of the seed that my dad gave me, because that seed, that's my humanness, and I will die, and my body will go in the ground. I will die, unless Jesus comes back before that and quickens this body and makes it new so it can live forever. Otherwise, I'm born of corruptible seed. This, this body's getting older. It de- it's, it's, will decay, and it will, it will, it's corruptible. It's corruptible. Having been born again, not of that seed. But through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, God's word, God's life, God's breath that he breathed in us when we were born again. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the right. And that word right is that by the rights and authority of the last name. Let me explain it this way. So Christine and I, our firstborn son, his name is Nathaniel. And uh, he became he became our son uh, just over thirty five years ago, and we didn't know he was our son until his birth date on April the eighth, nineteen eighty seven. Because back in the day, they didn't do ultrasounds to find gender, so we could get those confetti cannons and go and do TikTok, so the world could know whether we were having a boy or a girl. And nothing against that; we just did it the old fashioned way. And you're waiting, and you're waiting. It's And we had our, and I found out he was our son. And so he was our son in the womb. We just didn't know because he was, even though it was an incorruptible seed, he became our son when when he was conceived. And then we, he, he was, you know, gestating. And then he was born, and he became our infant son. And then he became our toddler son. He was pulling up on the furniture at seven or eight months old. And it was a whole new world then, man. They're loose. When they get loose, man, that's dangerous. My grandchildren in the house—I did it all over again. They get loose. I, before they're just—you just put them down, and they're fine. And then they start moving. And uh, as a young dad, I—I—I I, didn't—I didn't understand all that. Christina, go—you gotta watch them. Really? Why? They go fall down the stairs. He's on the move. He became our toddler son. Then he became our—he became our preschooler. Christina couldn't take Nathaniel to kindergarten the first day. She was at home crying her eyes out.
1: To school
0: <laughs> just like she did a few months ago when we dropped seth off at university is this a mom's heart i love don't you love mom's hearts and uh it's just amazing yeah we let some mother's day but it's okay so so she said you have to take him to school on the first day i'm like i'm a dad i can do it come on dude we're going to school what happens at school i don't know recess and it'll be cool you'll like it And as we, i was walking him in it hits me all the moms were standing there. <laughs> and I'm standing with the mom. <laughs> he became, he became, right? He became a kindergartner. And then he became an adolescent. And then he became a young adult. And then he became a dad. And I became a granddad. And that was so cool. And it is so cool. Nathaniel's my child. He bears my name, Stevenson. And all the rights. And the responsibilities that come with bearing that name. Now, he can change his name if he wanted to, but he's born into my family, into my house, into my lineage. And so he has all the rights of that name, Stevenson, and the next generation, and so on, and so on. He was my son the moment he was conceived, he was my son when he was born, and he, was, he became all, he was, he was my son, but he was becoming. He was becoming my son as well, in all those different stages. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. As you are in the lineage, the moment you were Born again, he gave you the right of being. I am a child of God with full privileges. You're not waiting for any, you're not waiting for more from God. You have, and when you pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. Why do we do that? You're saying in the authority as a son or a daughter of the high king of kings and Lord of lords, I know that he is for me and not against me. And I know he's releasing because I know he gives his kids great things. That's why we pray that way. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, not of flesh, not by the will of man, but born again by God. We belong. The goal is that you would believe, but it doesn't stop there. We want to have a culture and the resources so that each and every person can become all of the stages of being a son and daughter of God growth spiritual growth say growth it's important it's what God wants that we would begin looking like my son Nathaniel has two boys and they were they did a sleepover a couple nights ago and Christine and I said at the same time, it's like having our, two, our firstborn and secondborn. We have five boys, but it's like having Nathaniel and Andrew in the house or the similarities. It's crazy. You know, they look like, act like. Well, yeah, because they bear my image. They bear their father's images. When I was at the conference, a young man sat down. I'd never met him before, but I knew his dad quite well. I looked at him and I go, you're Ken's son, aren't you? He looks shocked. He goes, how do you know that? No, it's not prophetic. You look like your dad, dude. We bear the image of our father. And God's calling us in this age to begin bearing his image. We grow. How do we grow? It's really simple. By being planted in the house of the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're gonna transition this, sto- this uh, sermon this time. If you're here today and Maybe you've been here, this is your first time online. You're here as well. I'm sorry, I haven't acknowledged you yet online. But you're here today and maybe you've never made the decision to receive Jesus. You, maybe you've been here for a while and you go, man, I feel like I belong here. But today you understand what we're doing at Harvest is that's not the goal. That's just, it's a goal, sorry, that is the goal, but it's not, an, it's not the ends, it's a means to the end of you believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and beginning a life that you've never dreamt would be even possible. And it's not possible without him. And today, either online or in the room, you've never made the decision to believe. To say, I'm, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. To forgive me, I am separated from God. I feel cozy in here, this is awesome. <laughs> But I realize I'm separated from God and his love, his presence. I wanna receive him today. If that's you today, wherever you are in the room, would you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, today's my day. I, I, I wanna believe in Jesus. Will you pray for me? Anywhere in the room, would you just lift your hand up right now? I'm just gonna take a moment. If you're online, just text it in. Today's my day to believe. Today's my day to believe. You might say, I, I, but I don't understand it all yet. That's okay. That's why we do Seeds and roots in our church it's strategically named that way seeds is a place that you can ask the hard questions we want you to receive the seed the incorruptible seed of his life if you've never asked jesus to put his incorruptible seed his life into your life today's your day one more time is there anyone i just don't want to move this service until i've asked just raise your hand right now if you're in the room All right, nobody's lifted their hands today, maybe online. And so just for the sake, for someone online, church, let's pray this prayer. If you're online today and you said, I'm making that decision, this is a prayer of invitation. Jesus answers yes every time, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I ask you to forgive my sin. Come into my life. I receive your life today. I want to grow in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you're born again. You've received the seed of God. Now we want you to nurture that seed. We want you to be planted. We want your roots to grow down deep. Would you stand with us this morning? We're going to worship, and then someone's going to dismiss you in just a moment.
1: can stand against, what a powerful name. That is it for today. Remember as you go, you are resilient. (laughs) Those things that come against you this week and say, we're going to take you down. No, it's not. You are born to uh, be resilient and have a blessed week. We love you. We'll see you back here next week.